Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. Guten Tag, here we are. My name is Henning Wien, German Comedy Ambassador, and I am joined by David Austin, the head of swearing. That's right, we're here at the BBFC podcast. Hello, Henning. I must say, I do really like the title, Head of Swearing, much better than my actual one. And there might be a bit of swearing in this podcast, so younger viewers beware, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for this takeover of our podcast. Yeah, no, great, uh, great pleasure. I mean, it started all by uh, you asking me to tell you about film rating in Germany, and then I had to come clean and say, I don't really know anything about it. So, and that's when we then decided, uh, let's turn it around and you tell me all about uh, film rating in Germany, but before that, film rating in Britain. So, what, what, what does exist? What does that all mean? PG and under 12, over 15? Uh, what, what options are there? Yeah, so we've been around, the BBC's been around since uh, 1912, and we've been classifying films for... There wasn't even movies back then. There were, they just started. It was in the, back, in, back in the early days. When did television get invented? Not till the, uh, well, 19... Uh, 1928, something? 1928. Yeah. And you precede television. Yeah, cinema, cinema was there first. Great medium. Oh. But wasn't it back in the day? Wasn't there just some Herbert sitting in a dinner suit and was playing the piano and that was the only <laughs> verbal thing in it? Yeah, they were silent. Well, they did have intertitles with, uh, with words on, but you're right. Yeah, it was a, film was a different medium back then. And of course, now we work with Netflix and we work with other online platforms and there's DVD and Blu-ray. So it was, things have changed a lot, how people, how people watch stuff these days. Interesting. Um, but so you have been around for 100, uh, what do you say, since 1910? 1912, 110 years. I mean, that is just showing off. Uh, yes, so, and uh, what ratings have we got then these days? So we've got U, which is suitable for all, and we reckon that that's sort of four years and, you know, suitable for an unaccompanied four-year-old. There's PG... And what's which, U short for? Universal. Oh, universal. Yeah. There's PG, parental guidance, which we, we advise is suitable for about eight or above. There's 12A for cinema and 12 for online and, and DVD, and that means we think... Uh, a film or a, a show is suitable for someone aged 12 and above, but because children are developing at different rates, uh, for the cinema, we, we say it's advisory, so a parent can take their child younger if they think that the film is that, that the film's not going to trouble the child, and we provide lots of information to parents to help them decide. Then there's 15, and then there's 18. Interesting. And you obviously, you didn't start out, I mean, in your initial title... Uh, was, uh, uh, give me again, BBFC, what, what does that stand for? It stands for British Board of Film Classification. It and, used and to be... And usually, before that, it, it was uh, British censorship. Board of Film Censors. So yes. censorship was what the board used to do. And if you look at times like the First World War, when the BBFC wouldn't classify anything that would, for example, give succour to our enemies, which would have been your ancestors. Yeah, no need to bring that up. Uh, we're all um, but, now. So it's not about censorship now. It's about classifying the content that um, people make uh, and, and giving parents and families and every consumer really all the information they need to decide whether to go and watch a, watch a particular film or a show. And what do you measure it by? So we, every, between every four and five years, we talk to 10,000 members of the public. So we go across the, the, the UK, we have focus groups, we have uh, questionnaires, and we talk to people and we say, well, what, what do you think is, should be allowed at you in relation to sex or PG in relation to violence? So we ask these questions and we're about to start actually this, this year, 2023, we're going to do our uh, fifth big um, research program with 10,000 people that we started back in the late 1990s. And that will set our standards for the next five years. And that is when you speak to them. Is that essentially, do you give them 
visual guidance on that, or is it just like theoretically? How would you feel if you saw? So we show, we we ask people that come to focus groups to watch full length feature films in advance, and then come to prepare to discuss them. Uh, we also show clips from films and TV shows, and ask people what they think. You know, the, the issues are in this particular clip, and how they would classify it, and. Do they think we should be strict or less strict with this kind of content, or whether we've got it about right? So essentially, you're saying you're just following orders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good, good. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yes, and then obviously, how because the public perception of content must have changed over the years. Say, if you watch now a horror movie from the 1950s, when back in the day, probably people were hiding behind the sofa, looks by today's standards, rather tame. Yeah, exactly. So do you, do you reclassify movies? We reclassify movies if they're getting a new release, for example. Um, so if, if a film was classified, I don't know, whatever, in the 1950s, a horror film from the 1950s, and the uh, distributor wants to release it in a cinema tomorrow, then they will, will come to us and it will certainly have a different classification. You know, it, it won't be the same. I mean, it, people probably think that British society has become much more liberal over the decades and in, in many respects that's true in relation to for example depictions of consensual sex people are much more relaxed about that now in, in 2023 than they were in 1999 when we first started but there are some areas where people have become uh, much more concerned so films for example dealing with um, mental health issues around teenagers or uh, racism or other forms of discrimination or drug misuse people are, are keen for us to be a bit stricter now than we may have been back in the 1990s That's interesting. Yes, yes. So there is energy you're coming back to uh, you can't say nothing no more. <laughs> well, you might say that headache. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, certainly in in my line of uh, of uh, in my industry stand up comedy that's certainly something you hear the performers uh, bemoan a lot that was they perceive there is the impression that uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean rightly or wrongly that you can't say nothing no more. Yeah, well we basically classify according to the standards that we're given. Every four years, every five years, and, yeah, uh, and then wash that, your hands. Wash, wash, <laughs> really, wash your hands of 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 your uh, of your classifications. That is, we don't. I, mean, I would say we wash our hands of our classification. You know, yeah. it's it's one of the reasons that we have such high trust levels. You know, we get trust levels in you know high eighty percent is because what we do is reflect what society, what people tell us they want to see and expect to see in, in terms of classification. And on an individual level, say I've made a movie and. Uh, I need a class. I mean, I know from personal experience, having released uh, stand-up DVDs, they had to be watched by someone. So how yeah. does the whole process work? Something's filmed, uh, 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 edited, it's got, uh, uh, and then it's time. It needs some classification, otherwise you're not allowed to to sell it. Uh, that, that's at least yeah. what I was told. Yeah, and, that's correct. Um, What's the process? I stick it in the post to you, and what do you do? Well, if it's one of your DVDs, Henning, uh, which we very much enjoyed watching and listening to, um, it's so it'll come to one of our team of compliance officers. They will watch it and note any swear words that you might use or sex references, whatever, whatever you say in the, in, the, in your stand-up, and they will recommend an age rating. And that report will go to one of our compliance managers and they will either agree and 90% or more you know, work is, is, is straightforward. And I think your DVDs were pretty straightforward, 15s if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and that just got, the classification goes through that without, uh, without issue. If there's something that's on the border, maybe between 15 and 18 or you and PG if, at the other end of the spectrum, 
then the compliance manager will take a look at the particular scene that's highlighted if there's some uncertainty. And sometimes it'll get referred to me and I'll, have to, I'll take a view on whether on what classification we should uh, award. And could a distributor uh, uh, or production company, could they challenge, uh, could they challenge your verdict? Yes. And, yeah. and give us an example. When did that last happen? When did it last happen? Um, they, there are different ways of challenging. So we have an internal uh, appeals process where if a distributor is unhappy with the rating they've got, they can come back to us and say, well, we'd like you to reconsider and we think for reasons X, Y, and Z, you, you might like to give it a lower rating or sometimes even a higher rating. They want a higher rating. Um, and uh, we'll do that internal process. And around 50% of the time, I'm happy to agree to the to change the rating if I'm happy to defend it publicly with, you know, if someone like you is asking me questions, like, how can you defend this rating? If I'm happy to defend a different rating, then I'll do so. Um, but about 50% of the time I say, no, no, you know, we, we can't really give it a different rating. Um, if it's a DVD or Blu-ray, the company can then go to uh, an independent panel called the Video Appeals Tribunal, which is a group of experts who will take a view as to whether we we at the BBFC got it right or whether they think we got it wrong. That hasn't happened for many years, largely because our internal appeals process that distributors use quite a lot, you know, maybe once a week, maybe some, sometimes more often, um, works very well. If you've got a film for a theatrical release, then what you can do is go to your local authority. So we classify, at the BBFC, we classify theatrical films on behalf of local authorities who license cinemas. Um, and we were set up originally to avoid the need for a film distributor to go to 400 or however many local authorities there are to get a rating. So they come to us and we act on behalf of local authorities. Um, so you can go to the local authority and say, I don't think the BBFC has given a rating that's right for this local area. And we think, I think you should um, change the rating. It happens occasionally, not very often, Probably the most famous example is back in the 1980s with the Monty Python film, The Life of Brian, which got a, a 15 at the, from the BBFC. It's now actually a 12. Um, and a number of local authorities banned it on the grounds that they considered it to be blasphemous. So, you know, the local authorities have the final say. Another, another example quite famous was David Cronenberg's film Crash, which was classified uh, 18 by the BBFC in 1999, I think. Uh, and uh, Westminster Council banned that film for many, many years. And uh, now speaking with the distributors head on, now having, is, he, is, is there some sex, or is there some appeal in having as high a rating as possible, even though you potentially diminish the number of people who can watch the movie in the cinemas, but uh, does it give a movie an edge? Some people have, from time to time, requested a higher rating than the one we've, we've given them. <laughs> um, sometimes it will happen with a horror film. Yeah. So if we've given a film uh, a 15, a horror film a 15, the, the distributor might be thinking, well, I want this to be a really hard-edged horror film to appeal to the hardcore horror fans. I'd much rather have an 18. How do I get an 18? And that's quite challenging. I had... Um, an example years ago when I was an examiner at the BBFC of a stand-up. I won't mention which stand-up it was. And um, they submitted this piece of stand-up comedy and I awarded it at 15 for basically lots of swearing and sex references. And the distributor came back and said, well, we really want an 18. And what they'd done in the, in the, vid in the version that they submitted to us for classification is every use of the C word, they'd bleeped out there must have been 20 or 30 uses of the C word. They bleep them all out. So the answer was, well, if you want an 18, then unbleep the C word and you can have your 18, which is exactly what they did. 
It's <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, well, I've written. I mean, some people would say. Uh, I mean, there's different ways of 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 uh, uh, hosting a podcast, isn't it? So uh, some people might really prepare really well and come in with a long catalog of questions, and others might just fly by their pants. And uh, I'm uh, off to. So I've written down bits and bobs. Uh, who? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I can almost answer this question myself. So, who dreamed? Who dreamed the BBFC up? Who dreamed? Who thought? But you already explained that. Well, that got dreamed up so that a film doesn't need to be classified in all the different yeah. uh, boroughs. So, uh, yeah, dealt with that. Then uh, I've written something down. What classifications exist? Yeah, you've already answered that. And it's you for Universal PG Parental Guidance Twelve. A if you're with an adult, twelve for all the chi- for, for twelve A for the cinema. Oh, for the cinema and twelve for everything else. Then we have got the fifteen, and then we have got the eighteen. Correct. There you go. Dealt with that. Uh, then uh, tell us a joke in the meantime, <laughs> or or do I have to? I think uh, you're the one that has to tell the jokes, Henning. I'm afraid. Two I'm, I'm the straight. I'm the straight man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have obviously got you have got a fascinating personal story because. Uh, People might look at you at the person who signs because that's probably the most. You, your job is most publicly visible when you go to a cinema and the black card arrives. Yes, where it then says, and you are the person who actually signs that yeah, card. Yeah, that's me and Natasha Kaplinsky, who's our president. Well, here's here's something. I was told that there's a pub quiz question, which is the second most viewed signature in the UK, and that is mine and and Natasha's. And she didn't even get to number one. You know, it's, it's, it's tragic. The, the number one signature viewed in the UK is the cashier of the Bank of England. So when we had COVID, obviously a terrible t- time, I thought, oh, maybe I've got to number one because no one's using cash anymore. <laughs> no one's using cash. But then I thought, no, that's very stupid because no one's going to the cinema anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't even, not even number two, no, nowhere at all. Anyway, oh. anyway, the cinema's back, which is great. Lots of great films coming out this year. Um, what can we look forward to particularly? Well, I mean, one of my favourite films last year, last year was, was Dune. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the book series and I, I really like the, uh, the David Lynch 1980s version as well. So I loved the, uh, the part one of uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Dune part two is coming out later this year, so that's what I'm really looking forward to. And have you seen it yet? No, no, it's not finished. It's still being, still being made. I think it's coming out towards the end of the year. But there are lots of great films. Um, is there is there a, a new Stallone in the pipeline? I have no idea. I'm sure. Have a look at IMDb. We had Col on the podcast uh, a few weeks back, and IMDb is the source of ev- everything you need to know about films. So, uh, Col Needham, who, f- who founded IMDb, so I'm, I'm sure the answer to that your question is on IMDb. Yeah, very good, very good. Because I mean, he's and because I mean, I like a good Stallone movie. You can't go wrong when when when, he, when you see his face, you know you're in for a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's made some... Rocky was a really, really good film. And Rambo, how good is Rambo? Like, when the whole town goes up in flames, it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, I personally, I mean, as long as there is explosions, I'm happy. And, and as long as it's not CGI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at some of the um, some of the uh, films back in the, the 70s and 80s without CGI, with model work, they're just great. I was reading a piece, I think it was in The Guardian a couple of days ago, about Poltergeist, the Spielberg, mm-hmm. uh, Toby Hooper film from 1985, I think, about um, the model work done there and the special effects. That, that was so much more satisfactory than, than some of the more modern CGI effects. 
Yeah, it is more satisfactory, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now this is, might sound a bit random, certainly if, if, if you want some narrative in this podcast, but uh, David, how did you end up being who you are? Because you obviously you have got, I mean, you have got a career no one will believe. You are a British diplomat. I was a diplomat, yeah, for many years, and I spent quite a bit of time in the former Yugoslavia um, trying to stop people killing each other during the breakup of Yugoslavia. And haven't you done well? <laughs> Looking at what's going on in Kosovo now. <laughs> yeah, it's unfinished work, I would say. Um, so I'd, I spent many years as a diplomat, often in conflict, conflict um, resolution and conflict prevention, um, and then decided, yeah, it was all getting a bit dangerous, so I thought I'd do something else. There was an advert in the paper to be a BBFC examiner. I thought, that sounds fun. So I applied and got in and... I've been there for almost 20 years now. Interesting. So instead of seeing the explosions going off exactly around you where you are, you just watch it on screen now. It's a lot less scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Do you still get, when you watch like a horror movie, is there, do you still go occasionally, oh, and, and you get like a, a shadow jump up? Or? Yeah, yes. So I was um, watching for work a few weeks ago a, a horror film released by Disney called Barbarian. And not only did it make me jump, but I was actually shouting at the screen, don't go into the cellar. You know, really quite <laughs> scary. So a, a well-made horror film. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm a, I've been a huge horror fan since before I was a teenager. Uh, I'm a lot older than that now. Uh, but a well-made horror film still has the capacity to, to shock and terrify, even an old hack like me. I see. So essentially, is that, is that like a dream come true? Being uh, it, Because for, usually people say they watch a movie to switch off, relax. And when your actual work is watching movies, how do you switch off? Well, you can't switch off when you're watching a movie at work. You have to be really concentrating on everything that's going on. I just, you know, like everyone else at the BBFC, we all love movies. You know, we, wouldn't, we couldn't do the job if we didn't love films. So you watch them... At work. So you don't watch them at home on your sofa. You actually sit in like in an office-like scenario. We have a, we have a, a small cinema of screening room. Of course they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the basement of the BBFC. And we watch cinema films there. I mean, our, our, we watch films the same way that the public watches them. So if, 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 if we were classifying something for Netflix or Amazon, for example, or Apple TV+, Plus, we'll watch it on a TV screen. But if we're watching a movie for release in a cinema then we watched on a on a cinema screen interesting and how do you deal with uh, say very uh i mean there is obviously the genre of porn movies they do they also all need to be um yeah, if if, uh, if pornography is being released on 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 dvd then we classify it. yeah we also classify some online pornography i mean we we touched on the age ratings and i didn't mention the the special age rating for pornography so there is one it's called r18 so restricted 18 and that's a uh a, a, a legally restricted age rating for for uh, pornography. And what? How is that different from eighteen? So uh, with R eighteen, the, the the key legal difference, uh, and it's becoming less relevant now. In, in given that so much content is viewed online, is that you can't supply it by mail order. Whereas an eighteen DVD, you can send out understood, and you can only buy an R eighteen DVD in a licensed sex shop, of which there are quite a few outside the studio. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to listen to your recommendations there. Uh, so <laughs> I don't but, uh, recommend <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it's not a fun part of the job, to be honest. But there must be, you must be, I mean, give us an idea. 
how many movies a year or a month do come into your office of all descriptions that need watching one way or other? So if you're looking at theatrical releases, so films being released in cinemas, it's just over, it's about 1,100 films a year. It's a lot. Uh, for DVDs and others, I'm thinking five or 6,000, something like that So we're talking like 7,000 movies that one watching a year. 7,000 movies and episodes of, of, a, of a series, for example. And how many of you is there? We have 11 compliance officers, two compliance managers, uh, and then there's me, um, if something gets escalated to me, and we have the Board of Classifications of Murphy. So hang on, if there is 7,000 and 11 people working on it, say, yeah. then we are talking essentially 6,630 movies per person per year. That means every day at work, you need to watch like... Two or three movies. Correct. It's two, two or three films a, a, a day, yeah. And it could go from, you mentioned pornography, it could be pornography one minute and then Bob the Builder the next and, you know, the latest Star Wars or Disney blockbuster the, after that. And don't you ever become desensitized by it all? No. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. I don't think there's, any, there's, well, there's clearly no evidence of desensitization. I think what happens when you... As the more content you watch as a, as a compliance officer is you become highly attuned to particular types of content, well, to, to, to classification issues, but you're able to put to one side, you know, personal feelings that might get a reaction um, otherwise. You don't, you don't become desensitized, you become highly attuned, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting. One of them jobs where you probably, if you, if you ask uh, people off the street, uh, is that a job you would want to do? Say, so, well, get paid to watch movies. Yeah, I don't need to think twice, but then the reality bites at some point, doesn't it? So. But I think, I said, I've been there for nearly 20 years and I get paid to watch movies and I wouldn't do anything else for all the tea in China. And I don't think any of our compliance officers, you know, the, the team that watches the stuff would, would do anything else. It's, it's, it's a great job and it's a privilege to you know, to, to watch this content, give an age rating and help, you know, parents across the UK decide what's, what's right for them and their children. And um, what is your setup in the office then? Have you got like a popcorn making machine? Uh, we don't have a popcorn making machine, although our new president, Natasha Kaplinsky, has said that her first job is to get a popcorn machine installed. No. <laughs> but that, that, would be, that would be good. Yeah, and do you sit like in really... What are your what are your chairs like? Is it like proper? I mean, you said it's like a little cinema. I mean, there's yeah. like proper cinema chairs, and uh... there are some proper cinema chairs. So, I mean, you were saying how great people, how great the Betsy Trotwood is. If you want to go there, we, our cinema is available to hire in the evenings. If people want to do that, very nice leather <laughs> chairs. But we also have um, a desk set up with you know office chairs, and people have their laptops there and they're writing notes as the as the film is progressing. Interesting. So, do you press the stop button quite a bit? You can't press the stop button with a with a cinema film. With the, obviously, with when we're watching something on video, with either online video or DVD, for example, we can stop and we can rewatch. But w when the film is over, if we want to see another scene, a particular scene again, then we will watch that that particular. So, scene. do you have got like a, a little stopwatch next to you so you can write down the time code? So there's, you know, there's a, there's a timer on the uh, on the screen. Understood. And then you sit there with a sheet of paper and just write you, down fifteen oh eight or something, and then uh, yeah, we it's, yeah we have a a highly automated state-of-the-art uh, classification system where it's all done on screen and it's, um, 
it's frame perfect timing. So we don't use pen and paper anymore. We used to when I first joined, it was pen and paper, but not anymore. So where do you write the notes? How do you write the notes down? On on your computer. So there's a there's a program. This is fast. So yeah, you're yeah. sitting there. So, so, you've got a computer. Yeah, you've got a movie screen in front of yeah. you. And in front of you, you've got a sc- you've got a smaller screen that's got um, the, the the runtime of the film, the length of the film, and the you will. So let's say something happens at 16 minutes and eight seconds. You just tag that. You've got the run. You've got the line of the film on on the screen. You just tag that moment, and then you say use of the F word or whatever it was that happens there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so at the end, you've got all these tags on the. On, on the screen, yeah. so, so you've got, you know, all the data you need to know about the classification data you need to know about the film, and then you make a recommendation based on all that data as to what you think the the age rating and and content advice should be. Fascinating, fascinating, and uh, yeah, and where do you see the uh, what is is there now is there now more stuff on your desk seeing production prices have come down camera equipment is much cheaper people can home edit and like same with uh, say with books there is now lots more but with, mm. with, with self publishing lots more books around than there was say 30 years ago is there is that happening with movies as well yeah there's way more way more content than there ever has been and the streaming services are creating some brilliant new content so um what we're increasingly doing is 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 working with uh, the likes of Netflix, for example, to enable them to rate content themselves according to our standards. So we spent a couple of years with Netflix designing algorithms with them to enable them to tag content the way we tag content that, th- that generates a, a BBFC age rating. And it's very, very accurate. And so they do it all themselves, which saves them time and saves them money. And um, we audit a certain amount of their content every month. And we're moving that way with other companies as well. Interesting that you managed to outsource that. And do you then still, because I mean, from personal experience, I know, uh, see, the DVD market, saying stand-up, is pretty dead. Mm. Let, let's be honest, you're really mm. not shifting many at all. And there is like the economic question, uh, well, am I better off just printing the DVDs, selling them live at the merch store mm. at, at that it shows, or if you want to sell it online, say via Amazon, you do need to go via the BBFC. You need your rating. Um, yeah, and you do in the merch stall as well. Oh, that's news. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? You better stop what you're doing. Do I have to cease and desist? Uh, yeah, if, it's, if you're, if you know, it's, it's a retail operation. If you're selling, if you're selling a, a DVD, it needs an age rating. Well, this bit definitely <laughs> does want cutting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in, oh, I had absolutely no idea. So, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, and then you outsource it to Netflix that yeah. they essentially certify themselves. And you're not a cheap operation, I will say that. Uh, so, certainly, if there is no volume, if you're not shifting in volume. Yeah. Um, do you have got the nerve to then also invoice Netflix for essentially them rating their own uh, their own content? We have a brilliant partnership with Netflix. <laughs> and... Yeah. It, it it is a much more effective way of achieving classification BBFC classifications across everything on the Netflix platform in the UK to a really high standard to BBFC standards, and um, it it just works extremely well. I mean, Netflix were our biggest customer before we moved to the self rating route. They were submitting more content than I think all the major studios put together, and it was quite expensive for them. Um, so we agreed that we would with Netflix we go down this route. 
and it's much more efficient. You know, you've got huge economies of scale. And is it mandatory? It is mandatory to have a BBFC rating, correct? It is for cinemas and for uh, physical box products, so Blu-ray and DVD. It's not online. Even though it's not mandatory, we have 29 platforms that work with us. You know, we talked about Netflix, but Amazon Prime work with us, and that partnership's increasing all the time. Apple TV Plus, the same. Um, so we do work with a lot of a lot of um, um, video on demand and streaming services, even though it's not a legal obligation. And the reason they want to work with us is because we have such high levels of trust from from people across the UK, and everyone understands what our ratings are. They see, you know, they've grown up with them. Yeah, that that's true. And you are. Uh... You're not for profit organization, is that correct? Yeah. 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 So, um, which enables us to keep our prices as low as we possibly can. Mm. And we're investing in new services all the time to try and bring down our. Bring down our costs. Yeah, new uh, popcorn making facilities. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should edit that out. Someone from one of the studios says that popcorn making machine. They shouldn't have that. That's, yeah. our, that's our money. Opulence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, is there anything else you would like to get off your chest? Uh, not about the BBFC specifically, but I know that um, you mentioned earlier you'd like to talk about how we compare with Germany, and we can talk about how we compare with other countries as well. If that's yeah, uh, how, how how do we compare with other countries? Well, if you, I mean, we, we let's take France, Germany, and the Germany and the US because they're three countries with whom we have really a really good relationship between our classification bodies. We, t- if you compare us with, well, let's say let's take France first of all. France tends to be quite lenient in its classifications, and it's probably in a minority of one when it comes to Europe, at least, maybe the world. Over 90% of films in France get the equivalent of a U rating. Mm. And I was told by someone that um, was very close to the French classification system a few years ago that, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all watch a film together, we'll discuss the artistic and philosophical intentions behind the film, and then just give it a U. <laughs> and to be honest, that's not a million miles away from, from what happens in France. So we touched on how, how things work in the UK. So we do this major piece of research, talk to 10,000 people, and they give us our marching orders. In France, they do it a slightly different way. So they don't do that kind of large-scale research. What they do have is, is a screening with lots and lots of people present. So you can have up to 40 people watching a film in France. We have two people for theatrical release. In France, it could be up to 40. So I had the privilege of sitting in on a, a classification in France a few years ago for the Paul, Paul Verhoeven's film, Black Book. I don't know if you've seen Black Book. Mm. It's um, Paul Verhoeven who's, you know, he, 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 he's not um, a director who underplays anything. He directed brilliant films like Starship Troopers and, and RoboCop, and they're quite, they're, you know, they're, they're very violent films. He did, of course, Basic, Basic Instinct as well. So he's a controversial director. So the film Black Book is, is um, set in the Second World War. It's uh, about the Dutch resistance to the Nazis, and it features... Al Traub. It <laughs> features torture by the Gestapo. It features bloody violence. Boring. It features full frontal nudity and sexual context. <laughs> Um, and we gave it a 15. It was sort of 15, 18 border for us, and we gave it a 15. Um, I was in Paris with uh, my French opposite numbers, and they invited me to come and watch a film with them, and it happened to be Black Book. And there were, must have been about 25 people in the, in the room, so people from the Directors Guild, the Catholic Church, parents' associations, and anyone you could think, any, any group with an interest was, was there. And so we watched the film together, And then, indeed, they did have a discussion about the artistic and philosophical intentions of the film and gave it a U. So, um, 
what I like most of all, though, about the classification, classification of France, and this is going back a few years, it may have changed since then, is that every film is followed by a four-course meal with unlimited quantities of red wine. So that, <laughs> yeah. that to me, so I came back to London and said, shouldn't we think about doing something the French way? Uh, didn't, I got, well, you are I getting got, your popcorn I, machine. We are getting, we are, you heard it here first, we are getting <laughs> a popcorn machine. But, but France is, 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 is pretty liberal. Um, another interesting case is the, uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey films, which all got an 18 here. And a number of countries gave us sort of 15, 16 to maybe one or two of them. And we thought, well, did we get, were we too strict with the 18? So we actually asked people to watch the film as part of our guidelines consultation. Asked people to watch and they said, no, no, definitely 18, definitely 18. So in France, the first two films got 12, which is quite high for, for a film in, in France. And again, someone very close and high up in the French classification system explained that, yeah, the, the first two films were 12 because they featured bondage and, you know, sex that isn't kind of vanilla, you know, a certain whipping and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but by the time the third film came along, the third film got a U, and said, well, they were married by then and the sex was much less focused on bondage, <laughs> so it was absolutely fine for anyone at all to, to watch. So that gives you an idea of, of the differences. And sometimes a film, it's not, it's not unheard of, a film to get an 18 in the UK and a U in France or an 18, or equivalent in other countries, and a U in France. And how does that compare to, say, the United States or Germany? So the United States, they tend to be stricter than the UK on issues around sex and nudity, and less strict um, for issues around violence. Guns? And, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's got one. <laughs> violence and horror. So if you take a film um, like Megan, Megan's just out in cinemas now, it's a, it's a, it's a horror film about a a doll that becomes homicidal. So you got a 15 in the UK for strong threat, violence and bloody images, uh, but you got a PG-13 in America, which means that anyone can go and see it. It's advised for 13 and over, but absolutely anyone can go and see it. Um, and you take The Batman, a, a really brilliant and big film from 2021. We gave it a, a 15 in the UK for strong threat and violence, but it was rated PG-13 in the United States. So they tend to be less strict when it comes to violence. But when it comes to sex and nudity, they are quite strict. So take a film like Emma, you know, the Jane Austen uh, novel that was made into a film in 2020. We gave the film a U, but we did highlight in our content advice that it does feature some natural nudity as a bunch of people are bathing and playing around in a, in a, in a river. In, in the United States, uh, the rating was raised to PG, which is the equivalent of RPG, are mm -hmm. their PGs the same as RPG, because of that nudity. Um, and a, a film like, um, like Bad Education, Pedro Almodovar's film. That's, it's and what does that all say? I mean, there is certainly all that says something about society, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. A US society is different to ours, and our society is different to France and Japan, and it's, it's very different. And what classification boards around the world try to do is reflect the sensibilities and sensitivities of that, the country for whom they're classifying, the people in the country for whom they're classifying. It's, a, it's quite a tough job in the United States. And I remember, this is going back years and years, talking to a, a company that wanted to set up its own classification system to rival the MPA. I, I believe they didn't go ahead in the end. But they were saying that it's, it's almost impossible to classify for a country like the United States. If you take, say, the northeastern seaboard versus oh, the south. Of course, So yes. let, take New York. People don't really mind swearing but they're not that keen on violence in films. 
it's a generalization. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's go with that generalization. Stereotypes are there for a reason, yeah. Then you go to the, some of the flyover states from the cent- center or the south, and violence is absolutely fine. You know, Chuck Norris can do whatever he likes to all the baddies, inflict any kind of violence on the tour, but he's not going to swear. He's not going to use a cuss word. So it's actually quite... In the UK, it's a much more hom- homogenous, although we're very obviously diverse country, when it comes to the classification standards we apply. So we go to Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England, all over. And this, people tend to feel the same way about, about classification and the standards, whereas it's much, it's much harder in the US. So that's the US. You asked about Germany. We've got to come to Germany, of course. We are, I would say, quite similar to Germany uh, in very many respects. And if you look at countries that are similar in Europe, I would say, if you look at who we're closest to in terms of our standards, I would look at Ireland and and Germany. So while that may be true, there are some key differences. So Germany tends to be stricter than 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 us on issues like discrimination and violence, uh, but tends to be less strict on sex. So for example, um, the Avengers Endgame, big, big Marvel release, um, hugely successful film, we gave a 12-2 in 2019 for moderate violence. Um, and most countries in Europe, apart from France, which would have given it a U, I'm sure, yeah. gave, gave it, also gave it a 12. In Germany, it had to be cut for a 12. There's a sequence in which um, the baddie loci stabs a human character, Agent Coulson, uh, in the back, and you see the weapon emerge from the front of Agent Coulson's chest. Uh, and what happened in Germany is that, the, is, is that Disney, which was distributed, had to digitally remove the weapon coming through the chest. And when the, when, the, when the film went onto Blu-ray, every country in Europe got the German release. So we all had the, all that slightly cut version. I mean, we have got that. I mean, you, you hear that a lot about uh, 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 movies playing in China, that, that, that there is big changes to, uh, uh, to the content and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, is there, is, there, is there... Like... Was that all less of an issue when movies were made more independently in, in each country and every country had its own movie scene that was just tailoring to its own market where we think that would have met the taste anyway? Uh, and now you have got them big global franchises. Is all that becoming more of an issue? I don't think it's a, it's a particular issue. I mean, f- films... I mean, I think everyone's aim is for a film to get the widest possible release. I mean, one of our principles at the BBFC is to give it the lowest classification, the, the most appropriate classification for, for the widest possible audience. Um, and so all of us want to film across every classification, but they want film, they all love films. They want films to do really well. Um, but the, the standards in each country are different. So some countries will intervene where others won't. Um, so that, that's, I mean, another comparison with Germany, um, for example, is the film Goodbye Lenin, which I know we talked about earlier and I know you've, you've seen, which, get, which tells the story of um, a, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And it's a comedy and the consequences of the fall of the Berlin Wall. And one of the scenes in the film, uh, a whole group of people from East Germany come over, East Berlin come into West Berlin. And of course, what, what do you want? You're liberated. What's the first thing you want? So you want to go to a sex shop. So you, you, there's a scene in a sex shop with all the accoutrements of a sex shop in the, in the background. And that got the film a, a BBFC 15H rating. Uh, in Germany, it was classified um, six, I believe. Um, and it was classified, of course, U in France. So um, that's an example of where 
you know, sex and sex references are going to get a higher rating in the UK than in Germany. Mm. And to be honest, probably the majority of, of you know, the Scandinavian and Nordic countries. So essentially well. all it takes is one scene and then the whole, it goes from essentially you to 15. Yes, I mean, it can be potentially one scene. And in the case of Goodbye Lenin, it was one scene. I mean, it can be an accumulation of scenes throughout a film. But it's possible that one scene can fundamentally alter the classification of a film. If a film is without issues for, you know, 90 minutes, and then in the 91st minute there's an explosion of violence or something like that, (laughs) then that's going to affect the classification. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. I mean... If someone's head gets chopped off, then it does get chopped off. You, yeah. <laughs> you respect your when that is happening, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, one of the things that um, can affect a classification and, and does affect classification in most English-speaking countries, but doesn't in most other European countries, is language. So there's probably, internationally, there's, there's a broad division between those countries that classify for general suitability... Um, and those that classify for harm. So a country like the Netherlands, for example, or Sweden or Denmark, they classify according to harm. So if something is likely to harm a viewer, they will give it a restrictive classification to, to get that content away from a young, What would be an viewer. example of, of something that harms the viewer? Um, it's probably easier to give an example of what of, of, of offence. So we classify for harm and offence. So the, the, what that essentially means in, in the real world is language. So if there's a film with lots of swearing, it's going to get a high classification in an English-speaking country like Ireland or the US or Australia, New Zealand or the UK. Um, but a number of countries don't really care about swearing because it's not going to harm a child to hear swearing. It's just offensive and their parents might not like it. So let's take... Um, well, in something like that, funnily enough, I mean, it will be speaking like, like what, what you see in Germany. It was all dubbed anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, therefore, uh, it's essentially... Yeah, they can... So, let, let me give you an well, example. Do they, do they, this is a daft question, but they, they would rate the dubbed version, correct? They, 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 would, they would rate... I, they would rate whatever versions... It goes out so, on telly so, and that would be the dubbed version. So it yeah. goes out in the cinemas, yeah. Yeah, yeah or on DVD. That, by the way, is the reason why uh, the Scandinavians and the Dutch speak uh, English so much better than Germans is uh, because they watch their movies in English, subtitles. whereas in Germany it's uh, all dubbed into German. Yeah, exactly. But let me give you a real-life example. There's a really good Stephen Graham film last year called Boiling Point where he plays a chef. And he got a 15 in the UK, primarily for strong language. And if you look at other English-speaking countries, so it got an R rating in the United States, which is quite a restrictive rating, and it got a 15A in Ireland, but it was a 12 in the Netherlands, and it was a, a U in France, because language, it's, language is just res, less, less relevant. Um, and it, it, there was a Melissa McCarthy film, a biopic, really good uh, drama, called Can You Ever Forgive Me, about four, year, four or five years ago. They got a 15 in the UK for very strong language, use of the C word, and it was rated suitable for everyone in Germany, suitable for everyone in France. It got a 10 rating in Austria, but it was restricted. It got an R rating in the US and a 15A in Ireland. Again, it's the English-speaking countries that will classify language in, in a way that others won't. Mm. But we did, we did some research that we're actually publishing today, with the day the podcast goes out, into, what, into awkward viewing moments between parents and children, and language f- features quite highly. So we asked, if you're watching a film with your... We ask the parents if they're watching a film with their children and children if they're watching a film with their parents. Mm-hmm. What's, where, what are the awkward moments? What's the kind of content that's, that's 
kind of makes you cringe and you know want to change the subject. And and bad language featured pretty highly on that list. But of course, we are British so for uh, for for the children or for the, for for the, the parents, parents. For the parents. For the parents mainly. So. Um, the, the parents in particular, um, 38% of parents said that they're really, they find it really awkward and embarrassing if there's, there's bad language in the film and they're watching it with their children. Children were less concerned by bad language. So hang on, still... the premise is the parents and the children intergenerationally watching the same movie. Correct. And that obviously can lead to uh, the odd awkward moment. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, what, what essentially gets everyone... Uh, look at the floor or make a cup exactly, of tea. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And make a cup of tea was one of the responses that uh, 4% of parents had if there was an embarrassing Only moment. Only 4? It's quite low, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You'd think, well, you well, know... Well, the other 96% yeah, exactly. doing. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. So, um, the parents' top three embarrassing moments was sex scenes, nudity and sex references. Now, the young people's top three were... Kiss- it's not good, is it? I mean, if you think... <laughs> it's, it's just not... It's not a good scenario. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched stuff with your kids and what what what's, what embarrasses you or embarrasses them if you're well, watching. Well, I'm uh, I'm I haven't got any children, luckily. Long may that continue. And because I I hate carrying shit. <laughs> and whenever I see parents, they carry stuff. It's so true. really awkwardly sized stuff, and I just haven't got the core strengths for all that. So, but anyway, <laughs> um, I remember many many moons ago. Uh, I was a teenager, and I was up late with my father and then uh, train spotting come on. Oh, yeah. So, and there's obviously quite a lot of nudity and swearing and drug taking. Well, neither of us knew quite where to look. <laughs> so, you and in, see, you we in haven't France. Got, we, haven't got, we haven't got a kettle in Germany. It's not like, oh, I go and make a cup of tea. So, uh, that option was uh, was taken from us. Uh, yeah, well, you get... get so, the, we get, had to green and bear it, really. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, sex and nudity for, for parents. And for for young people's top three, the most embarrassing things were kissing, sex scenes, and nudity. I was kind of surprised by... Well, it's the by, same, isn't it? It's basically the same. I was kind of surprised by kissing. When 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 I, when you gave, gave us these results, I had to remind myself, well, how old were these children? They're, they're teenagers. Okay, maybe a six-year-old or a nine-year-old. But anyway... I mean, like you don't like kissing. to think about your parents having sex either and all that. I mean, there is just... Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, going to play into it. I so mean, you, you, you are a proud father of how many? Two. Two. So, they're grown, so they're grown up now. So what was it like watching... I mean, you must have had uh, scenarios with them. Yeah, to be honest, I was working at the BBFC, though, when we were watching these kind of films. So it was kind of my jobs. So it didn't really... I think it was much harder for my wife and, you know... Yeah, it was, it was you were just going, yeah, this is why this is 15 yeah. plus. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, yeah, luckily it didn't embarrass me at all, um, but it did embarrass my wife. And, and the children? I don't, uh, I'll have to ask them. I'll have to ask them, I haven't asked them. But um, You should have pe- roped them into the, uh, into the survey the podcast, there. You should have done them in the podcast. Ah. So anyway, so we, asked, we asked, also asked parents and children what they do. If, if something is em- em- embarrassing and awkward on screen, what do they do? And the most popular... Um, answer for parents, I'm sure this is dads mostly, is make a joke. You know, a dad joke. 35% of parents said we just make a joke. You know, you know, the British like to find comfort and reassurance in humour. Um, strike up a conversation was 26%. Fast forward was, was 26%. My, my, what my dad, when I used to watch stuff with my dad and it was embarrassing, he just changed the channel, which, which is what 22% of parents did. Mm. So... That's what parents but do. But without uh, saying a word, he would just press the button and then... Well, uh, he would say, well, I don't like this, and then, and then turn over. <laughs> so um, we also asked children what they, what they did. <laughs> and 
you see the difference in the generations. Forty-five percent of children just sat in silence. You just probably waiting for the ground to swallow them up. And forty-four <laughs> percent said, "I go on my mobile phone." <laughs> so that shows the generational divide. A, a dad will make a joke, and a child will go on their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this this research we thought was quite quite and you know a fun and interesting piece of research. And we're doing it yeah. to coincide with the launch of this new. Um, so what we're calling the visual advice layer, and you'll see adverts in cinemas. What do you call it? Visual, visual ad- advice layer. So it's it's a new way of of making it really obvious to to, to people what, what what the age rating of the film is and why it got a particular age rating. And we we we're, we're, unva- we're unveiling this feature um, ahead of half term, uh, and it'll be unveiled on our website and our free app. And what is it, and where can we see it? You can see it on our. You can see it from the, the week beginning the sixth of February on our website and our app, and it's designed for busy parents. So you're in the queue in the multiplex, or you've you've really got no time to to read even a couple of paragraphs as to what's in a film and and make that decision as to whether you want to see it. So we're doing it in um, in, in graphic form. So there'll be dots. You know, of, of different strengths, so you can see at a glance, without reading, having to read any words, whether you think this, whether this film may be suitable for your child. And you'll encounter that at the point of sale. So when you're essentially already in the cinema, and well, you're making a you, decision. You'll see it on the on the app on our app or on our website. So if you're in the queue at the, at the multiplex and you're still deciding what to watch, it's not the cinema that provides it; it's us that provide the information. So you go on your mobile phone, say, well, okay, well, that film has got you know a couple of you know it looks to be quite strong and violent because it's got three dots or or four dots but this this one is it's got no bad language it's got no you know so it's it's a really in, easy visual way of seeing exactly what's in the film and if you want more information you just go down you know go down the page and there's more information there but it's designed to be really easy to use and really help people parents and busy parents in particular How, how to decide whether a film is suitable for you and your children. And where do you see the users? Do you see the, the users then predominantly in a cinema queue or where, where do you think people will be, will be making use of that service? Well, anywhere, because it's on, it'll be on your mobile phone if you've got the app, so you can, you can do anywhere on the ho- at home before you set out for the cinema. Or if you're undecided as to what you want to watch when you get to cinema, you can use it there. You can use it anywhere you is like. It, or, or is it also that, that people say at home they want to watch something on Netflix and they're not too sure and then type yeah. it in and see yeah, what's exactly. what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If you want to watch a film, a film at home on TV, the, 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 the information will be there for you to look at on your, on your mobile phone. Well, David, it's been uh, it's been really interesting. So uh, it's, it's uh, funny. I thought let's uh, let's see where the conversation takes us and. Uh, Did we miss out any stops that you would have liked to have discussed? Oh, it was great. I thank you so much, Henning, for you know your taking over the taking over the podcast, and um, it's just been fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much. No, David, thank you very much, and uh, well, yeah, enjoy the uh, new popcorn making machine. We will, and we'll invite you once we've got it installed. You can come and watch a film oh, with us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's reclassify Rambo. Uh, well, we can certainly take a look. Which one do you? Which one do you want to look oh, at? Oh, I like it where all the fir- the first blood. I think the first. Blood, I mean, they're yeah, all is, good. They're the, all good. The first I blood mean, is the best uh-huh. for sure. We'll we'll look at that one with popcorn. Uh-huh. <laughs> Result. Well, thank you very much, everyone, and uh, don't forget to download the app of the on the uh, BBFC website. I guess. Perfect. Thanks, There you Helen. go. Thank you. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>